Hickey in for ZG on this Tuesday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday night. 20 minutes from now, Barrett Salee, tremendous college football reporter for CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, will hop aboard. Is Alabama ready for this? Overrated. Is the Pac-12 a deeper conference this year than the SEC. We'll discuss a lot of and more future Jim Harbaugh as well with Barrett 20 minutes or so from now. But yesterday, the AP poll came out, preseason AP poll came out for college football. I love this time because in part, gives us a lot to digest and really a lot to get into here before the season does commence in a little less than two weeks uh, from now with week zero. All right. So there's been a lot of trends I think are worth discussing here. Let's start with this. In 20 of the last 21 years, A team ranked inside the top 10 of the preseason AP poll has finished that year unranked. Last year, we saw three. Three teams, preseason AP top 10, finished the year unranked. Texas A&M, Baylor, Oklahoma. Now, to pat myself on the back here, because I also flopped miserably uh, miserably with a few of these uh, as well. Nailed A&M all over their demise. Total whiff on Michigan. I really thought last year... Michigan was going to come back down to earth, and 2021 was a flash in the pan. Could have been more wrong about that. So one out of two in terms of predicting who will finish outside the top 10. Let's try to be perfect this year. I got one pick. One team in the top 10 guaranteed to finish outside. Or I should say, uh, one team in the top 10 guaranteed to finish the season unranked. Excuse me. Sorry about that. That is this. It's Florida State. Florida State at number eight to me is a team that's going to finish this season unranked. Here is why. I don't really understand the hype with the Seminoles. Like, There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of belief in them going into this year. A lot of that has to do with them finishing last year strong. They won six in a row, including their bowl game, and there's a lot of momentum built from last year going to this year. But the thing is, though, we actually look at who Florida State beat and how they played last year. There's not a lot of reason for belief. So the six wins to finish the year the Seminoles had were over Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, not LSU, Louisiana, Florida, Oklahoma. None of those teams ranked. None of those teams, frankly, any good. And at the time, at least, that they played last year, Florida State did not have a win over a ranked opponent. I don't get the hype. And the one impressive win they had last year, LSU in that Labor Day weekend thriller, they got lucky by a missed extra point. Classic college football. You score late, miss the extra point because college football is unpredictable, and you win that game by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Very lucky. So now when you look at, you know, people believing in this team now going forward based on what they did last year, They didn't really do a lot to impress last year because they beat a lot of these brutal teams. Congratulations. So I think they are coming back down earth this year and a team that's buying, or I should say getting a lot of hype, that I don't think is going to be actually fulfilling that once the season does come. Like, you look right away. Running back with LSU. This time a little bit closer at home uh, in Orlando. But LSU, I think they're going to get smoked. I think LSU is going to run train over Florida State. I think they're so much better, even though rankings-wise they're only three 
ranking spots different. Florida State 8, LSU 5. To me, they're miles apart. So I think you get smoked week one by the Tigers. You got at Clemson week number four. You're starting the season two and two. Starting the season at two and two. And then even from there, you got tricky games against Pitt, Miami, Florida. Schedule's pretty easy after that Clemson game, but also that means you have no real way to impress. Not a lot of opportunities to impress the committee and impress the voters. So I don't think they're going to be running through the rest of their schedule besides LSU and besides uh, Clemson unscathed. I am not in on Florida State. I have questions still about Jordan Travis and is he actually going to take that big step this year? Florida State to me is one of those teams where I got to see it from them before I believe. That's a team that people do believe in a lot. And really since Jimbo Fisher left, they've never been able to get uh, things rolling in the right direction. I'm out on Florida State this year. Now, that's a team I think will will be in the, that. That's a team that is in the top ten. I should say that will finish the year unranked. A team that's in the top ten that's not going to finish unranked, but I think outside the top fifteen. And for this team, finishing outside the top fifteen might as well be uh, might as well finish and mean you're unranked. It's Alabama. You look at these preseason rankings from the Associated Press. By far. The most overrated team in that top 25 is Alabama sitting at their, uh, sitting there at number four. There is no reason outside of the name Alabama to believe this is going to be a team that's any sort of dangerous this year. This is not going to be your prototypical Alabama team that we have seen crush everyone in their way the last 15 years, destroy any team, anytime there's doubt cast on them, rise up and embarrass everyone who talked badly about uh, the Crimson Tide. This is not that team this year. They have no quarterback whatsoever. Last year, let's go back quickly last year. They were all quarterback. It was the Bryce Young show. Bryce Young carried this offense. Will Anderson Jr. carried this defense. And to Jameer Gibbs' credit, he played really well too out of the running, you know, running back, but also out of the backfield as well. Catching passes. So it was the Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs show on offense. Defense was the Will Anderson show. All three of those guys gone in the NFL. And you have... Really, no actual replacements whatsoever. Alabama, to their credit, has been reload, 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 reload. There's been no rebuild really since 2009 when they won their first national title. This is the first year where there's actually going to be a rebuild. Their quarterback situation is an absolute mess. Jalen Milrow did not impress and clearly did not do anything well in uh, spring ball because after the spring game is over... They went back into the transfer portal and got Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner, who is not very good, frankly, and was not even going to be the starter this year. So they take Notre Dame's backup quarterback, who has six touchdowns to eight interceptions in his career, asking him to revive and save an offense that last year was quarterback dependent on the best quarterback in college football in Bryce Young. You know how many playmakers at receiver, at running back, or tight end? Your offensive line is very shaky. Receivers are, you know, long, long gone are the days of Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, uh, Jerry Judy, and um, Amari Cooper, and also, too, like others um, that were locked in low. Like, we've seen Alabama in the last 10 years, 15 years, have tons of talent um, on their roster throughout their entire team that have gone in the first round. Jameson Williams, as well, being the latest example. Last year, there was none, and they have not brought anyone in this year. That's going to really separate themselves receiver-wise to all of a sudden kind of make up for the lack of quarterback play. So you got no quarterback, 
No real game breakers at the skill positions. Uh, skill positions. Shaky offensive line. A defense that was, for Alabama standards, bad last year. And did not improve uh, really at all this year. And you lose some key contributors, including, again, Will Anderson Jr. I don't see where the buzz is or where the hype is for Alabama outside of just them being, oh, it's Alabama. Of course, we got to put them in the top five. Of course, we got to, you know, put them near the top because why doubt Alabama? Let's call a spade a spade here. This team is not going to be very good. This team is not going to the college football playoff and really not going to be any sort of threat in the SEC. Look at their schedule. Texas, Ole Miss, A&M, Tennessee, LSU. Auburn's a team I'm very excited about or maybe intrigued by. because I do think Hugh Freeze is a really good offensive mind, and they have some pieces in the transfer portal that can make this season interesting for Auburn. But those are, what, six games right there that are tricky? Where I think if you go 3-3, three and three, you're feeling good about Alabama coming out of that? But 3-3, three and three, you win the rest of your games. 9-3 and three is not anywhere near... A good year for Alabama. And 9-3 has you outside the top 15. Especially if you don't have any marquee wins. So, I know really we're mostly kind of talking and trying to figure out, all right, top 10 to unranked at the end of the season. But for Alabama, you're outside the top 15. You're basically unranked. You're basically unranked. So, Alabama for last year having 11 wins led by Bryce Young. You clearly don't have Bryce Young this year. No real offensive savior. I don't see the defense playing... This lights out style that's going to allow them to win games like they did in 2010, 2011, 9 to 6, 13 to 10. Their defense is not that not that good to win defensive struggles year in and year out. This team is going to struggle. I'm telling you right now. All right. On the other side, and by the way, just to clarify, I want to add one more stat here. Talked about how for Alabama finishing outside the top 15 is basically finishing unranked. Last time Alabama finished outside the top 15 in the final AP poll, 2007. Nick Saban's first year. It's been a while. It's been a very long time, but that's a season I think it's going to happen down there in Tuscaloosa. All right, on the other side, so we just talked about 20 of the last 21 years. A team inside the preseason top 10 poll has finished the year unranked. On the flip side, even bigger sample size, in 28 of the last 30 years, we've had at least one team unranked now in the preseason poll finish the season in the top 10. Last year, half the top 10 were teams that are unranked to start the year. TCU, right, came out of nowhere. Tennessee, Penn State, Washington, Tulane. This is actually one of the things I was all over with and. Look, I get made fun of a lot on this show for getting a lot of things wrong. Admittedly, I do. This was one I was all over. Tennessee last year is my pick. Unranked to the top 10. Nailed that one. Let's try to go two years in a row here. My pick, unranked to finish in the top 10. I'm going Pitt. The Pittsburgh Panthers. Two reasons. Quarterback, schedule. Both favorable for Pitt. You got Phil Jerkovic coming over from Boston College. Veteran guy, played a lot of football in his career, kind of pro style. Uh, would have been drafted, I think, uh, was it two years ago at this point if he didn't get hurt? Unfortunately for him, kind of suffered uh, an injury that limited his time at uh, Boston College. But now you come over, go into Pitt, and they have a very, very favorable schedule. I'm not going to go through it. I'm not going to bore you. But basically, you look at their first seven games, they should win them. They should be 7-0 and 
going into Notre Dame in November. You play Florida State at home the next week. After that, you're cruising. So they should be favored Pitt with a very easy ACC schedule in 10 out of their 12 games. You go 10-2, and two, add a nice little bowl win there as well. You're sitting pretty, baby. You're sitting pretty, and you should be sitting in the top 10. Pitt is my pick to go from unranked to the top 10. I really wanted to pick UCLA. That was a team that I was kind of going back and forth with. Um, and considering Dante Moore, like as a freshman, I think his hype is legit here. But their schedule is pretty tough. At USC, at Oregon State, at Utah. I wanted to go UCLA, but the favorable schedule for Pitt to me has them going 10-2, and two, and that's why I'll go Pitt Panthers here, going from unranked to um, to the top 10. We'll ask Barrett Salee that next. We do return here. Tremendous college football reporter for CBS Sports. A lot of questions here. Is he with me in terms of Alabama taking a sizable step back for their standards this season? Is this Jim Harbaugh's last year in Michigan and the college football playoff? With the Pac-12 disintegrating in front of our eyes as it's set to expand to 12 next year, should they consider shrinking the field? Shrinking the field from 12. We'll get Barrett's thoughts on that and more when we do return. Again, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. 11 days, folks. 11 sweet days until college football is back on our TV screens with week number zero. We get a little tease with the AP poll being released on Monday. And now joining us to kind of preview the season, get a little bit of his expectations for what is going to be a very exciting 2023 season is Mr. College Football himself, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. They're talking college football. You will see Barrett Salee's face and or name associated with it. Barrett, appreciate the time, man. How are you? I'm good. Getting getting some sleep in, I guess, before no sleep life takes over in about two weeks. Looking forward to it, though. 11 days, and that's it. Then you, like said, no sleep till January. Let's go. That's right. That's Let's right. go. I want to start you off with Alabama here, Barrett. Right? Plenty of times it's been foolish to doubt Alabama and Nick Saban. They always make the doubters uh, look stupid and eat their words. This, though, feels like the first year, maybe since 2009, Barrett, where actually the doubters will be right. It's their lowest AP preseason ranking at number four since 09. I know, a big fall for Bama. I get it. But still, there are some doubts there, some questions about their quarterback as well. What are your expectations for Alabama this year? Well, I think it's going to be a struggle by Bama standards, which if we all lose by Bama standards, we'd all be living pretty pretty well. Yeah. Right? But I think when, when you look at their quarterback situation, I think there's this idea nationally and within our region here in the Southeast that – Tyler Buckner is just going to come in and be the savior. And I just can't figure out why that exists. I mean, you look at Tyler Buckner, three starts at Notre Dame, all three were all over the place. I, I, I always make the joke, I don't even smoke, but I needed a cigarette after watching him play <laughs> because it was, it was all over the place, especially the South Carolina game and the bowl game. And then of the two incumbents, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, only one has starting experience in Jalen Milrow, one game. And so it's just it's one of those things where this is not a quarterback battle to make Alabama elite. This is a quarterback battle to make that offense adequate. And if that's the case, I don't understand how anybody could legitimately put them in the national championship race right this very second. Now, with that said, 
by mid-September, late September, once they prove it, if they prove it, then yeah, absolutely. But we have to see it before we believe it. And that has not been the case, like you said, at Alabama in more than a decade. Generally speaking, for all of us, it's like, oh, five-star left, superstar got drafted in the first round. Oh, well, throw the ball out. Somebody else will take it and be just fine. I don't think that's the case this year. I'm 100% with you. And like I said, this is the first time there's no actual reloading for Alabama, especially at some important positions, especially, like I said, a quarterback. When you see how quarterback dependent they were with really outside of Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, no one really stepping up consistently, uh, unlike what we've seen where there's so many, especially receivers, just dominating uh, all throughout you know, the SEC and anytime they play. And so you look at Alabama, like I said, right? We have to take this into the scope of Alabama standards. But we just were talking before he came on, Barrett. That I mean, I think this is going to be a year where Alabama finishes outside the top 15 rankings for the first time since 2007. That's that could be 15, 16, 17. It's not again for most schools finishing 16th in the country, solid year, nothing earth shattering, nothing you know. Wow, this is one of the worst years we've seen. It would be for Alabama standards. Is that crazy to say, or would you buy into that prediction at all? That right now, I tell you, Alabama finishes the year outside the top 15. Are you would you take that right now? I wouldn't go that low, and, okay. and part of the reason is. When you, when you factor in the end-of-the-season rankings uh, after the bowl games, Alabama's going to whip somebody in a bowl game. <laughs> you know, they just are, like they did Kansas State last year. So um, I kind of put my money on that. So if we're talking the end of the season, uh, I think that'd be a little aggressive. If we're talking the last college football playoff rankings on Selection Sunday, okay, maybe you could make that, uh, that claim. Outside of the top ten, would be probably two losses and not making the SEC championship game. I think that's what's going to happen. So, you know, at that point, it depends on the landscape of the rest of the country. But, you know, fringe top 10 team at that point, yeah, maybe. I I think to me, that's where they're going to be because I have Alabama losing to Texas and I have them losing to LSU. And both those games at home, selection committee is not going to like that all that much. Probably still make a New Year's Bowl game. And then when they make a New Year's Six bowl game they're gonna flip somebody's tail like they did with Kansas State. Talking to Barrett Slee, tremendous college football reporter for CBS Sports is Ryan Hickey with right here in for Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. Let's stay in the SEC then Barrett. No shock, right? Georgia number one team in the country going for the first three P in the modern era. Who's the biggest threat to them you think in your mind? Uh, in the nation it's Ohio State. I think when you look at Ohio State, yeah there's a quarterback issue. And I would say that with um, in quotation marks, because it's not like Alabama's. We've seen Kyle McCord. We know what he's like. But also, he's got a ton of help. I mean, they've got, by far, the best wide receiver room in, in the country. You could make a case that the running back room with Williams and Henderson is top five, maybe, at the, you know, at the very worst. So the offense is going to click. The offense is going to be just fine. And – in year two in Jim Knowles' system defensively, uh, you can expect them to take even a slight step forward. If they take a slight step forward, they're national championship caliber. They're, they're Georgia's level. Because think about it last year. They were on Georgia's level already. Like that's, right. they, they were there. They were a missed field goal at the gun at midnight um, from going to the national championship game. So uh, I think Ohio State was on Georgia's level last year. And this year – with, with what they've got returning at the skill positions to help whoever wins the quarterback job, I think it'll be Kyle McCord. Uh, they'll be just fine. 
When it comes to threatening Georgia and making a college world playoff run and maybe a national title run, one team I'm really intri- uh, intrigued by, Barrett, is USC. Right, You have the best quarterback in the country, Caleb Williams. You have one of the best head coaches who knows offense a lot in Lincoln Riley. Even though they lose Jordan Addison, you still have a lot of skilled players there at receiver. Obviously, the big thing for them is defense. They were terrible last year. Defense has been a problem for uh, for Lincoln Riley, wherever he's been in Oklahoma, now USC. My philosophy or my thinking going to this year is it can't be any worse. When you look at USC, especially their defense, is there any sort of threat from them to either Georgia or at least being a legitimate title contender this year? No, there's not a chance for them to be a title contender. Winning the Pac-10 or Pac-12, I should say, or Pac-4, whatever you want to call it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah um, you know, making the college football playoff, yeah. Um, but I think if USC were to do that, it'd be just like every other Lincoln Riley team that makes the playoff. They're good enough to get there, but not even close to being able to win it. Uh, because the defense, it was, it, it's comical how, unfund- how fundamentally unsound they were. It was just, it was unbelievable how bad they were tackling, simple tackling. I mean, my sixth grader, I just got back from his practice and they tackle better than <laughs> USC did last year. So it's, it's one of those things where you're asking Caleb Williams to do a lot. And here's the problem with USC. When you put it into perspective of what they have to face, right? They, let's just say the offense is lights out. Cool. That's fine. But the offenses around them are significantly better. They're, they're already good and they're going to be even better this year. So if they couldn't stop the Pac-12 offenses they faced last year, how are they going to stop them this year? And, and so to me, I just think that it's, it's a philosophical problem at USC. You mentioned Lincoln Riley as one of the best coaches in the sport. I think he's one of the best offensive coaches in the sport. Now, I think the problem with Lincoln Riley is that what, what hurt him at Oklahoma consistently followed him to USC. And if that's the case, then you're just not going to win national championships. You know, they have to be strong up front on both sides of the ball. They have to be built like an SEC team defensively. And for whatever reason, Lincoln Riley just doesn't do that. And, and that, I think, is going to prevent USC from being a national championship caliber team. And honestly, even in the Big Ten, it's going to present, uh, be a problem then, too. So I think it's up to Lincoln Riley to change how he recruits and how he builds a roster. And I think he kind of realizes that now. He went out and got Bear Alexander from Georgia – so, I mean, he, he, I think he realizes that something's got to change, but it, it didn't change overnight. It didn't change over this offseason. Tell you, the, the benefit of the doubt he keeps giving Alex Grinch is is truly amazing. Barrett, I would love to have that sort of belief, you know, in someone else the way uh, Lincoln Riley continues to kind of believe in Alex Grinch despite the fact that we've seen Oklahoma now and USC. Like I said, the defense has been bad, very, very bad. Talking to Barrett Lee of CBS Sports, tremendous college football reporter. Speaking of, let's stick in the Pac-12, Barrett. You look... You, Going to the final year, which is kind of ironic, to say the least. Five teams in the Pac-12 ranked inside the top 20 in the preseason poll, most of any conference. Not who's the best conference, right? It's SEC, we'll waste our time with that. But how about this year in terms of depth? Is the Pac-12 the deepest conference this year? You could make an argument, yes. And I think by the end of the season, that argument could be very, very accurate. It's, the offenses are just filthy. I mean, they are so good you know, in terms of conference. Uh, you know, in the middle of the eight, uh, of the Pac-12, let's just say it's, I don't know, Oregon State or uh, Arizona with Jaden Delora or just pick a team, right? Their, their quarterback play is going to be next level. <laughs> I mean, it's just that deep. I mean, you're talking about seven, eight teams that are, um, are capable of putting up 40 at, at any given time. So if, if that's going to play in the Pac-12, would it play in the SEC? Yes. 
middle of tier SEC team would probably struggle against some of those quarterbacks out west. So uh, deepest, yes, uh, I think that's completely fair. Uh, top end, nowhere close to where you need to be to win a national championship. Even I think Oregon's the best team. Even Oregon, though, I think is, is a little bit too far away. But uh, in terms of of how deep and how entertaining, that's the thing. Inter- if you're if you're into entertainment, yeah. oh yeah, oh my goodness, Pac-12 after dark was fun anyway. Just wait until this year. It's going to be absolutely wild. And it's a shame that, of course, it's coming in the, in the final year uh, of yeah. the conference. But you are right. It's going to be on paper. With the quarterback play alone, with some of the depth of these teams, it's going to be must-watch TV each and every Saturday. Get your coffee ready. You mentioned before we started the interview, no sleep is going to be starting here in 11 days through January. The Pac-12 is going to be a big reason for that for sure here. Uh, as we were talking to Barrett Slee, CBS Sports. Let me ask you this, Barrett. So over the week, we found out that the NCAA rejected the uh, negotiated four-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh. That, to me, rings the fact that they're trying to come down even harder than four games for Jim Harbaugh. It looks like this will take a while, so 2023 should be good, but 2024 could face significant punishment. Would you be surprised at this point if Jim Harbaugh is coaching in Michigan this time next year? Ah, see, you've listened. I bet you listen to my show on Sunday because that's my conspiracy theory. That is what I, I am convinced. That was, look, we all know that Jim Harbaugh has had that itch, right? Like, we know he's interviewed for NFL jobs. We know he's He's sort of teased us with that, right? So if you're not going to take that uh, that deal, or the NCAA, you know, rescinds the deal, or whatever happens, do you do you play the season out knowing that you're probably going to get suspended for a significant period of time in 24 if you can, if you intend to actually do that? No, I think that if I'm not saying he would leave, but the you can start connecting some dots and considering how he's you know, represented himself before to, to make a decent case that, yeah, that's his mindset, that he is never going to miss a game because of this, because he's not going to be here this time of year next year. And here's the thing, too, right? It's like those first four games that he was supposed to be suspended for this year, they're cake. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, if, if you're that concerned about your image, just take them. You know, it doesn't matter. Just take it and move on. Uh, so, yeah. Your, your conspiracy theory, I think we're, uh, we're kindred spirits because I am 100% on board the, uh, the, the conspiracy theory that Jim's going to coach all the games this year, let this thing draw out, and then bail. Um, you know, that's, uh, it'd be fun to see. It'd be, it'd be another scandal, another uh, twist and turn in our beautifully dysfunctional sport. Beautifully dysfunctional is absolutely right. But you look at the tea leaves, right? He interviewed the last two years for NFL jobs, did not get one. And now you look at the talent Michigan has this year, but also the talent that could leave after this year. You could be in a rebuild next year. You have Texas week number two at home. So you talked about the cupcake games they got early on. He's missing nobody uh, or missing no team that's a threat this year. If he took the four-game suspension, you have Texas next year. We'll figure out the Big Ten schedule. When that comes out, maybe you miss also a USC or UCLA. Like You could miss some legitimate games. Makes all sense in the world for Jim to be like, you know what? I'll stay this year, and then NFL comes calling well, next year. See you later. And you know what? You know what? It sucks to be a college football head coach right now. It does. I mean, you have to deal with so much crap, and it's, it's just getting worse by the day. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, he, he liked recruiting. He had the signing with the Stars thing when he first got there. But, I mean, it takes a special kind of person to do what head coaches do in college football because – very rarely are they actually coaching football. They're doing so much other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think if that's the case, and if you remember former Ole Miss coach Matt Luke when he was the offensive line coach at Georgia after he got fired by Ole Miss, he basically said, I'm out. 
I'm just not going to do it anymore. And he had his buyout from Ole Miss, and he's living a good life right now. I think that's going to be something that happens quite a bit over the next five years when we, when these coaches realize that uh, they do have families and that they never, ever see those families. Barrett Salih of CBS Sports is our guest. I want to finish off with this, Barrett. Look, so we packed over disintegrating after this year. And now there's talks of the cultural playoff set to expand to 12 teams next year. Should there be a format change? And obviously one of the format changes that could happen is, well, there were supposed to be five power five conferences. They got automatic qualifiers. Plus the group of uh, group of five got one as well. Well, obviously now we're basically lost a power five conference in the pac 12. So they're going back to the table to discuss maybe potentially changing formats for the college world playoff. What we see, is there any chance there is a change in the number of teams in 12 reducing at all, or is this just more going to be, you know, formalities of changing who gets automatic bids and who doesn't? Well, it'll stay at 12. I mean, the reception that that, even though I'm, I'm a staunch defender of four and would rather go back to the BCS at two, but they're not going to change the number. But the format, the, the real format was that if you had the top six conference champions, regardless of conference. And so it, that I think is probably going to stick around because, let's just say the Pac-12 disintegrates and it becomes the Pac-12 Mountain West or whatever you want to do, right? Right. Um, the teams don't change, right? Like the teams aren't going to change. And so if we're counting on, you know, the Pac-12 to be one of those top six conference champions that get an automatic bid before the, 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 the conference breaks up, we're still going to be doing that now. You know, we're still going to be doing that in this new era. So uh, I, I know there will be some push for some change, most likely from the Big Ten and the SEC, to try to, you know, put in some some benchmarks to say, all right, look, you got to be in the top 25 if you claim one of those auto spots or something like that. But in the end, I don't think you're going to have anything change, and certainly not the number. I love 12. I'm glad they're going to 12. I'm glad to hear that 12 should stay. Way you get in will change, but at least 12 should stay going forward in 2024. Barrett Salih, tremendous college football reporter for CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Check him out on Twitter, at Barrett Salih. 11 days to go, Barrett. Cannot wait. Rest up. It's going to be uh, a very eventful, to say the least, 2023 season. Thank you so much for the time. Can't wait. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I am so excited. Navy, Notre Dame, week zero next Saturday. Get me there, baby. Get me there. I want to react to something Barrett said when we do return here again. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gilbert here in CBS Sports Radio. He said the biggest threat to Georgia not having or, or preventing a 3 I should say, is Ohio State. How many teams are actually a threat to Georgia? I'll give you my answer when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for ZG right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gale on CBS Sports Radio. That was literally this week last year. I may or may not have claimed that the Colts preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was the biggest and most important preseason game in Colts history. And guess what? I was right. They were playing the Bucs. Tom Brady was in town. Matt Ryan at the time was playing with the starters. This was a chance to see, will this Colts offense actually look how it's supposed to? Guess what happened that night? I was home, not hanging with my girlfriend, watching the Colts preseason game. The offense stunk. And guess what happened last year? The offense stunk. I was right. And guess what's this weekend, too? My fantasy football draft. Now, this year, with Anthony Richardson already being named the starter, I will not be doing the same thing as last year. I will not be locked into Colts-Bears preseason and blowing off my girlfriend. She was a good sport about it last year. Two years in a row, though, probably won't go over too well. So, we do the big fantasy football draft. I will probably hang out with her afterwards. We'll see. 
But either way, we'll not be blowing her off um, for a, a preseason Colts football game, which, again, not to brag, may sound delusional, may sound stupid, but in the end, I was right. That was an important game because that showed you right there who the Colts really are, which is a bad, bad football team. All right, we thank Barrett Salee of CBS Sports for joining us just last segment. And I really found it interesting. We asked him, who's the biggest threat to Georgia in preventing the first three-peat in modern college football history? And he said Ohio State. I disagree with that. I'm not in on Ohio State. I think Ohio State this year is going to be the third best team in the Big Ten. I think they're going to be behind Michigan. I think they're going to be behind Penn State. I do have questions about their quarterback, Kyle McCord. They have a loaded running back room, a loaded receiver room. I think, I think uh, Penn State matches up really well with them. Um, and Michigan just right now bludgeoned them into oblivion. I don't think they're tough enough on the offensive or defensive lines to push back. Uh, I think they'll lose them three years in a row this year being in the big house. I don't think Ohio State is a college football playoff threat. I have four teams. Four teams, I think, are threats to Georgia this year to win a national title. Not make the college football playoff, win a national title. Michigan, USC, LSU, Washington. Look, Wolverines are legit, and if you're Jim Harbaugh, you have literally everything you need. You got a more talented quarterback now in J.J. McCarthy going into year number two, has college football playoff experience, played really well in that game. I know he had two pick sixes in a row, but outside of that, played well um, for the most part against TCU in that game against uh, the Horn Frogs in which they lost. You bring back Blake Corum and Domin Edwards. A, again, a very physical offensive line, arguably the best offensive line in college football. Ground and pound, really good defense as well. Michigan's legit. I think they're legit. Absolutely can push Georgia this year. Look, I know what Barrett said about USC's defense, and I'm not sitting here telling you USC is a good defense. I'm not. But here's what I think. I got two things. Number one, their defense, I don't think it will be as bad as it was last year. They can only go up. And for how bad their defense was last year, they were maybe a, a pulled Caleb hamstring, uh, Caleb Williams hamstring away from going to the college football playoff. They're right there to the end, even with one of the worst defenses in the country. Now, I think they got a little bit more talent, should be getting better. And we know what wins in college football. Offense. You have an offensive genius in Caleb uh, in Lincoln Riley, and you have the best quarterback in the country in Caleb Williams. You have to win if you're Lincoln Riley with a guy of this talent. He's had a lot of talent in quarterbacks before, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Caleb Williams is different. He's the best quarterback Riley's ever had, and this is the year you got to come through. And I think USC is. Uh, the USC will. They are my pick to win the national title. I am buying in that this year they will get over the hump and win. Uh, and I'm going to go and ride with the Trojans behind one of the best head coaches and the best quarterback in college football. But also, LSU is legit. LSU is a third team I think could push Georgia this year um, in terms of knocking them off and preventing a three-peat from the dogs for the first time in modern college football. LSU is a stacked, stacked roster. We saw them catch fire last year. You still try to, you know, get your footing with new coach Brian Kelly you lose a game against Florida State, which you shouldn't. Blow that was just a mixed, uh, missed extra point. But you have Jaden Daniels, who's played a lot of football, talented receivers. Harold Perkins is arguably the best defensive player in all of college football this year. A beast. They got a lot of talent. Did well in the transfer portal. LSU is going to be loaded this year. They beat Alabama last year. They have some nice, impressive wins. Even, look, I know this is... 
a little bit of one of those like um um what's the word I'm looking for here? Oh boy, I'm blank on the spot. I apologize. It's consolation prize. There we go. It's I know it was a consolation prize because you got smoked in the end and the score did not really indicate how close the game was. But they hung around with Georgia in the SEC title game for a good amount of time. They pushed Georgia maybe more than anyone else did last year outside of Missouri, that random-ass Missouri game. But LSU, I think, now in year two under Brian Kelly, knows what to expect, a lot of talent. LSU is going to be a big-time threat. And the last team, fourth and final team, I think can legitimately push Georgia for a national title. I'm in on Washington this year. I am in. They have the best passing offense from last year. They bring everybody back for the most part. Defense that is going to improve, kind of like USC as well. Michael Penix is a really good quarterback. His only question is, can you stay healthy? Last year he did, and you saw him having a big year. Now in year two with Kalen DeBoer, a guy who all he does is win. Everywhere he has been, the guy has won. That's it. I don't think Washington is, is taking a step back whatsoever. They are a true, legitimate college football playoff contender. And so those, to me, are my four teams. Michigan, USC, LSU, Washington. Four teams that could push Georgia this season and prevent a three-peat for the dogs have had rolling each of the last two years. And it really is a shame, by the way, that this could be arguably the best year we've seen from the Pac-12 in maybe 30 years. And it's the last year. USC... Washington, Oregon, Utah, or uh, Oregon State. Five teams inside the top 20. Five teams with good quarterbacks, with legitimate rosters, a lot of talent and experience coming back as well. And a lot of these teams are basically running back from last year. This, I think, is the deepest conference in college football this year. And it's really frustrating that this conference is being torn apart right in front of our eyes. It's frustrating that a conference that now seemingly has turned the corner in terms of getting competition up to a championship level. As soon as they do so, well, see you later. USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. Oregon and Washington following suit. Colorado going to the Big 12. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah following as well. It's sad. It really is sad. But this should be a very, at least for 2023. Before we get to 2024, all this realignment, cultural playoff expansion, this is going to be a very entertaining and I think wide open 2023 college football season. I, for one, am fired up. I am so excited. I cannot wait. If you missed any part of the show, as it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Galbraith here on CBS Sports Radio, great news. You can catch it in podcast form. Make sure to subscribe and download to the Hick at Night podcast. That's the name of my Saturday morning show, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern. Little plug there. But every single hour of this show will be podcasted there. Anytime I fill in for Zach, I was in yesterday. I am in today, clearly. In tomorrow as well. You miss any part of the show, any three days, subscribe to the Hick at Night podcast. Again, night, N-I-T-E. You'll get all caught up. When we come back, back by popular demand, hot take meter. I got six takes. We'll see how EJ feels about it when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach on CBS Sports Radio.